Okay guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. I am Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. This is episode 23, John 14, 6, part 3. We made it. We did the way, we did the truth, and now we're going to look at the life. And, you know, again, kind of what I've been basing this series on is the idea that Jesus is the way to the Father, the truth about the Father, and the life of the Father. That's why he said, no man can come to the Father but by me. And to me, what that really means more than anything is the Father-Son relationship that is the biggest, best, most powerful picture in the scriptures that we have of God. There's a lot of different pictures of God. God is a consuming fire. God is spirit. God is light. God is life. God is love. But really, to me, the best way for us to understand it is through that father-son relationship. And really, a big part of that is that love is all about relationship. And the way that Jesus showed us and continues to show us what that relationship is, is really just the Father loving the Son and giving all things into his hands. That's the ultimate truth of the universe. That's what we looked at quite a bit last week. And showing that no man can get into the sheepfold anyway except the door, and that he is the door. He is the way because, again, you know, Jesus is... God in the flesh, love in a body. He was showing us in practical terms how this stuff kind of uh, applies to our day-to-day -day life. But let me read some scripture. And once again, I have a lot of a lot of the book of John this week. I love John as a writer. I think uh, he's probably my favorite biblical writer. And I want to start with John chapter 1 and read verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. There's kind of a lot here, and... Uh, and again, you know, I, I think it's important that we understand really what we're talking about on, on a very basic level. What Stone Cold would call the bottom line or what my son would call the top line. Because you add with the bottom line and you want to, you, you know, you want to end strong. But Logan, my son, always said, no, you should put the most important thing first. You should put it on the top line. And I think that that makes it pretty cool that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. But in the beginning, the Word already existed. And just so we're absolutely positively clear, the Word is Jesus. The Word is love. It says the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God is love. The Word is love. He existed in the beginning with God. So already we see that relationship. We see that community. We see that uh, that dynamic of, of in order, okay, in order for love to exist, you have to have someone doing the loving and you have to have some, 
a, a, you know, a, a target for the love. Love doesn't exist in a vacuum. Love binds two things or, or people together, one loving and one being loved. And I think that's important that we understand that because a lot of times I feel like when we look at love, we think of it almost like, unfortunately, almost like a, uh, a control or a manipulation. I've seen and heard love used for people to get what they want so many times. And it's so frustrating to me because love is never about getting. Because love is giving. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And we're actually going to read that verse in a little bit. But that's the one that I always come back to. Love is giving. God loved, so he gave. So if you're trying to get something from somebody, that's not love. Right? I just want to try to make that as clear as I can make that. And, and when we're talking about life, when we're talking about the life of the Father, when we're talking about abundant, everlasting, eternal resurrection life, we're talking about giving everything we have and everything we are. That's my personal definition of love. When, uh, when the Bible, I believe in the, my favorite translation, the New Living Translation, talks about, uh, I, I don't know, I think it was Paul, actually, this time, who wrote, uh, I will gladly spend myself, everything I have and everything I am, even though it seems like the more I love, the less I am loved. And to me, that that's a pure love, because you're not doing it in order for the applause. You're not doing it in order to get something. You're simply giving what you have because you know how good it is, and you know how necessary it is. Everybody needs love. So if you have that love, and you can give that love, then you're filling a need. You're, you're, you're seeing a need and meeting it. You're giving everybody else what they need and you're uh, enriching their lives. And to me, that's powerful. That's important. But then I like when it goes on and it says, He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. You can't make something out of nothing, right? So everything that God made was an extension of himself. When he gave us life, he gave us his life. And we're going to see that in great detail as we go through this episode today. The word gave life to everything that was created. So first he created it, and then he spoke his word into it. And that's what we see in Genesis chapter 1, when, uh, you know, God created the earth and the heavens. He created the body and, and the mind. He created you in the beginning. The beginning of what? The story. What story? Your story. Uh, sorry if you can hear, hear my cat, but he's he's bothering me. Um, so, after he created the heaven and the earth, it was dark and void and without form. So, after he created it, he had to then interject something into it, or inject something into it. And what he did was, he spoke. He spoke the word. He said, let there be light. And again, uh, his life is the light. When he injected light into a dark and void and formless creation, he injected Jesus. He injected love. And actually, that's what it says in the King James Version. John chapter 1 verse 4 reads, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. His life is the light of the world. 
when Jesus describes himself as the light of the world, and when Jesus describes us as the light of the world, he's talking about that life. And it's not just life as we know it, as we're going to see again quite a bit today. It's, it's resurrection life. It's Jesus's life. It's a life of love. It's something more abundant. And that's why Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. What makes the abundant life abundant is love. And we're going to see that, uh, I believe, at the very end, but we'll get to that. It says, the word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. That's so important. We're talking about his life. We're talking about Jesus saying, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that life being God life, that life being a life of love which really means a life of service, because that's what we saw in Jesus. You know, even when he uh, got down on his hands and knees and washed his disciples' feet, he was, he was serving them, even though he was their master. A master doesn't demand service. Uh, a master inspires service with his own service. So uh, his life brought light to everyone. And of course, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. If you're in a dark room, and you turn the light on, you're not in a dark room anymore, right? The light wins hands down every time. Darkness cannot defeat light, but light can make darkness disappear. So now let's look at John chapter 5, verse 26. It says, The Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. This is really what I want to hit on this week when we're talking about Again, you know, we talked about the way to the Father, the truth about the Father, and now we're talking about the life of the Father. It's his life. The Father has life in himself, and he's granted that same life-giving power to his Son. So it's not like, it's, it feels like a lot of times that there are kind of like two separate lives that we can have. And, and again, when we get to the very end of this, we're going to see that it, kind of almost in a sense there there almost is where we have you know life as we know it and then we also have uh this abundant everlasting eternal resurrection life of god and unfortunately even though god has given us the gift of of his life his resurrection life his uh life of love a lot of times we don't experience that and that's what we talked about some last week when we were talking about how the, the truth has set us free and made us free, but really it's knowing the truth and believing the truth that allows us to experience that freedom that we already have. We have this life of God. He gave the same life-giving power to his son, and then his son took up uh, abode or, or began to dwell inside of us, giving us that same life. But it seems like so many times we either don't know that, or we don't understand that, or we don't believe that. We don't think we're good enough for it. We disqualify ourselves. We, uh, we, we settle for so much less than what is available to us. We settle for so much less than what has been given to us. And sometimes it's almost like we choose to live in the dark. Sometimes we're ashamed of what we've done and we want to hide, like, like Adam and Eve did after they ate from the tree of death, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they hid from the presence of God. Sometimes I feel like we want to live in the shadows so that nobody can see what we're doing or what we've done. You know, uh, again, 
in, in, back in that same story in the garden, Adam and Eve, once once their natural eyes were opened, they saw that they were naked and they were ashamed. And the problem was never that they were naked. God created them naked. God fellowshiped with them naked. God didn't care that they were naked. They were naked the day before and God didn't care. The problem wasn't that man was naked. The problem that man was ashamed of his nakedness. And, and you know, I've spoken on this quite a few times already, but that was man's problem and God addressed it anyway and, and covered them with, with lambskin. He covered them with himself so that they wouldn't be ashamed of their nakedness. But the point is, is that in order to live in the light, you have to get past all of the things that would make you want to hide in the darkness. And that doesn't mean you have to punish yourself for those things. It means you have to lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets us. You have to lay aside the idea that you are not who God says you are. I'm telling you right now, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Even on your worst day, even when you mess up worse than you've ever messed up before, that does not change who you are. And you can always come back from it because God allows U-turns. And in fact, I think he encourages them. The Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. Now look at John 6, 57. I live because of, this is Jesus speaking, I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. The Father gave the life to the Son, and then the Father gave the Son to us so that we could have the life of the Father in the context of the Son, right? He, uh, uh, I've, I've really been stuck on this lately, but he sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts so that we can know him as Father and know ourselves as Son, so that we can cry out, Abba, Father, so that we can run to him when we need him instead of running from him because we think he's mad at us. If we feed on Jesus, on the Lamb, on the bread and the wine, the lamb and the living water, if we have our diet right, everything else will line up because you are what you eat. If you feed on Jesus, who lives because of the living Father, then you will live because of the living Father because that's what God God gave that life-giving power to his Son and then gave his Son to us. If you have Jesus, you have the life of the Father. He's, he's the way to the Father and the truth about the Father and the life of the Father. So uh, what's important here is understanding that, that Jesus is our true identity. It's not like he's a middleman per se, because, you know, there is no separation. We saw, again last week, we saw that uh, he's in the Father and the Father's in him and we are in him and he's in us and, you know, it. It's, there's no separation. We are all together. His spirit living in us is what kind of, uh, you know, binds us together. So it's not like, uh, it's not like ABC with God furthest away from us and Jesus in the middle. It's Jesus coming, uh, sent from the Father and reconciling us all together in the Father. Uh, if that makes sense. And in John eleven twenty five, it says, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. That to me is a very important point uh, that we understand that he is not talking about life as we know it. He is not talking about the regular life that we think we have. He is not talking about a life that could ever end in any way. 
not even dying can stop us from living when we believe in him. He is the resurrection and the life. And I think it's interesting that when he said this, he hadn't been to the cross yet, but he didn't say, I will be the resurrection. He didn't say, you know, after the cross, when I rise again, he said, I am the resurrection. And, you know, this, uh, the context of this is that he was about to go to a cemetery and raise a man from the dead. So he had that power uh, before the cross to, to give this, this life of the Father to whoever he would choose to do it to, to whoever would believe in him. It's, it's not just life. It's eternal life. A life that has no beginning and no ending. It's resurrection life. It's, it's a life apart from death. Death died when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. Jesus defeated death. He destroyed death. Death could not hold him down. Uh, the light shines and the darkness can never extinguish it. Life shined and death could not distinguish it. Death couldn't hold him down for more than three days. And, you know, in those three days, he, he was doing, you know, the Father's work anyway. But that's a whole other can of worms that I'm not going to open today. So instead, let's look at John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And again, you know, to me, perishing means it's like a fruit that's going bad and starting to rot. It's the, you know, it, it's, in, in a way, it's different than death. It's more like you're not experiencing the life that you could have. You're just kind of going through the motions. You're just, you're just, you're stuck in a rut. You're running on the hamster wheel and you're, you're wearing yourself out, but you're not getting anywhere. You're perishing. You're, you're slowly fading away. And that's not what any father would want for his, his son or his daughter. That's not what any true parent would want. That's not what anybody who loves somebody would want for them. And that's why God gave us his son. That's why God gave us his spirit. That's why God gave us his life. So that we would not perish, but have eternal life. And as you can see all throughout this, it's if you believe, if you believe, if you believe. Anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's all about believing that there is something better, a more excellent way. And Jesus, God, love is that more excellent way. Now look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. This one can be a little bit tricky. Uh, it seems as though traditional quote-unquote Christian teaching uh, is, is all about this idea that uh, Christ will reveal himself um, in, a, in, a, in a sort of second coming. And I've even heard some uh, theories that now in this day and age, in 2021, with the internet and with how just about everybody is connected globally, that that's how he's going to do it. Like he's going to show up on every phone and every uh, tablet and every computer screen and every TV screen, all at the same time, all over the world, and everybody's going to see him, and that's going to be how he appears. Um, that could be. Uh, I'm not saying God can't do that if if he wants to. 
They believe that uh, the God who created the universe can literally do anything he wants. And if that's how he chooses to do it, I guess I'm okay with it. But to me, the way that Christ is revealed to the whole world is when everybody in the whole world uh, acts with love and, and reveals Christ in them to their neighbor. And to me, that's a more practical and a more powerful way. Because, he, I mean, listen, there are people, you know, who, who don't believe that we landed on the moon. There are people who will deny uh, any evidence that they see even with their own eyes. So even if, like, the man Jesus, who, by the way, probably doesn't look the way you think he looked, uh, but that's really neither here nor there. Even if he appeared on every screen of every piece of technology in the whole entire world all at the same time, there would be people out there who didn't believe it. There would be people out there who, uh, you know, conspiracy theorists who would say it's all fake, it's all a hoax or, or whatever, what, you know, whatever it could be. So to me, the only real, true, practical way that this could ever happen for, for Christ to be revealed to the whole world and for us to share in his glory is for all of us to do the thing that brings him glory, which of course is to, to love people to receive and release the love of God. I firmly believe that every time you love somebody, Christ appears. You show them. You show whoever it is that you're loving and whoever it is that's watching, you show them Jesus when you love because God is love. When what's inside of you comes out of you, that's when he is revealed. And I think, again, that goes right along with 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, which reads, Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And again, it's the whole idea of, of when he appears. I think he appears all the time. I think he appears every day. I think he reveals himself to us and in us and through us and as us. And I think, you know, again, that's how we experience the life of the Father. We experience the life of love by receiving and releasing God's love. And that's how we are, you know, that's how, that's how we act as who we really are. We're already God's children. That's true. But again, it's the truth you know that really uh, affects you. And, and if it's not affecting you, then, it, then what good is it? If you don't know the truth and it's not helping you, uh, what good is it? So we need to know the truth and we need to believe the truth. And since what you do flows from what you believe, when we know it and believe it, we will act upon it. We do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. Whenever you see Jesus as he really is, you will be Jesus as he really is. Because in the same way, that you are what you eat, what you see is what you be. What you give your attention to is what you will have in your life. What you feed is what will grow. What you manifest, what you magnify in your life is what you mag manifest in your life. Excuse me. So the point here is to focus on what is real and what is true and what matters. And for that, I wanted to move right into Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. 
My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The whole deal of this whole lifestyle is not us trying to act like Jesus. And we've been hitting on that, you know, a little bit too, whenever I talk about uh, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Which again, I'm not against in any way, because I think anything that points our attention toward Jesus or, or towards the Father, uh, I think that's better than nothing. But to me, it was always like, okay, so now I'm in a situation and I have to try to figure out what Jesus would do. And then I have to try to do that thing. And that's a lot of trying. And spiritually speaking, works and labor don't work. God does not require you to earn your spiritual bread by the sweat of your spiritual brow. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. And when you know who you are, that's when you will do what you're supposed to do naturally. When you trust in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me, and those are the two things that we need to trust about him, we need to trust that he loves you, first of all, and then we need to trust that he gave himself for you. And the only reason that he would give himself for you is because he loves you. The Bible says that over and over. You know, it says uh, God showed his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we had absolutely positively nothing to offer God in any way, shape, or form, when we were at our very worst, when we couldn't do anything, uh, and, and, and listen, I believe we were trying to do the best we could with what we had. The problem was we thought we didn't have anything. We didn't know what we had. We were trying to get something. We were trying to fill that, that God-shaped, love-shaped void inside of us. And you can't fill a God-shaped, love-shaped void with anything except God, with anything except love. So while we were looking for love in all the wrong places and while we were piling up things that we would be ashamed about... And while we were trying our best, but but really weren't doing very good at all. And, you know, we were trying to make other people look small so that we could feel bigger. When we were doing all these things wrong, Jesus cried out from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He wasn't mad about it. He wasn't in a punishment mode. I don't think God ever is in the punishment business. I think he's in the chastening and correcting business. But that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Any child that the Father loves, he chastens and corrects. And he chastens and corrects because he loves. Uh, you know, even in my own life, with my nine, almost ten-year-old, uh, there are times when I have to chasten him and correct him. And he's always like, well, all right. And, and listen, my, <laughs> my kid is, uh, he likes rules. He likes regulations. He likes everybody to play by the rules. And when he knows he's done wrong, he wants to punish himself. And I always tell him, I'm like, little buddy, I'm the one who decides whether or not you need to be punished. And if you learn this lesson, I'm not going to punish you. I don't want to punish you. I want everything to be good. I want you to learn from this experience. And I want you to do better because you know better. When you know better, you can do better. And that, to me, is the whole point of the whole thing. It's not about crushing people. It's not about kicking people when they're down. It's about reaching down and helping people up dusting them off, saying, okay, that wasn't great, but now we know better, and now we can move forward. I don't think punishing is uh, is a very effective, you know, you know, even when they say, 
uh, positive reinforcement is better than negative reinforcement. You can scare somebody into doing what you want, kind of, kind of for a limited time maybe with limited success, but really strict parents create sneaky kids. Really, the more you punish someone, the more you teach them to hide what they're doing so they won't get punished. And if your child relates to you in a way that he's afraid of you or afraid of you punishing him, he's never going to be open and honest with you. He's never going to come to you when he needs help because all he's going to think of is, oh, I'm just going to get punished. And, and, and to me, that's awful. That's so negative. And that's not the way that I think that things should be. So uh, I don't know how I got there, but my point is, is we have to be able to see God clearly. If we want to experience his life, we have to stop killing ourselves and each other. We have to trust him that he loves us and gave himself for us. Because if we trust in those two things, if we trust in the ultimate truth of the universe, that the Father loveth the Son, and has given all things into his hands, if we trust that God is love and he loves me, we can build from there. That's our foundation. When we're standing on that rock, we will not be shaken. My old self has been crucified with Christ. My old self is dead and gone. Before the cross, I may have been a sinner, but the cross transformed me into a saint. Before the cross, I may have been a slave to sin and death and the law, but because of the cross, because God gave his only begotten son, because Jesus died and rose again, I am no longer a slave, but I'm a son. I'm free. I'm free from sin, death, and the law, and I'm free to live and love. Which is what it says uh, in Romans chapter 14, verse 9. And I really just threw this in here to give us uh, a little something extra to think about. I'm not going to hammer too hard on this one today, but I may revisit it, you know, somewhere down the line. And I've never, ever heard this preached ever in all of my life of, of listening to uh, people preach the gospel. Romans 14, verse 9. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. Think about that for a minute. He destroyed death and brought even those people who are dead or will die under his wings. He died and rose again. He said, death cannot hold me down. And since we are all together, since I'm in my father and my father's in me and I'm in you and you're in me, that means that death cannot hold you down. That means I am Lord of all. And <laughs> all right, I think I'm gonna leave the rest of that one alone for now. Uh, for my big closing argument here today, I want to read 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. That's what we're talking about. The life of the Father is not life as we know it. It's better. It's abundantly more than we could ask for or even think. And again, the one thing that makes the abundant life abundant is love, right? No, N-O, love, no life, N-O, life. No love, K-N-O-W, no life, K-N-O-W. 
If you have no love, you have no life. But if you know love, you can know life. And that to me is the difference. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whosoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. And I know that can sound kind of harsh, and I know that uh, a lot of times we get we can kind of easily get religious on things and be like, man, that boy needs Jesus, which is to say he's doing something I don't like, which is to say I don't think he knows Jesus. Whether he does or not, you know, it's, it's a snap judgment that we make on people. But uh, there's another place in the scripture where uh, I believe it was Jesus speaking, and, and he said, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love each other. That's so key because the difference in a word between death and life is love. When we're talking about Jesus being the way to the Father, the truth about the Father, and the life of the Father, we have to understand who Jesus is. He is God in the flesh, love in a body. Love is the way to the Father. Love is the truth about the Father. And love is the life of the Father. It's all about love. Whosoever has the Son has life. If you have love, that means you can give love. Because if you have love, that means that you are love. Love is not just what we do. Love is who we are. And we have to understand that. Again, we know who we are. We're God's children. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. When love, who is your life, is revealed to the world, you will share in all the glory of love. And again, you know, this to me, this backs up my position of, of God will be revealed to the whole world when, when the people of the whole world love each other. That's how he appears. That's how he shows himself. That's how he manifests, because that's who he is. And because that's who he is, and because he lives in us, that's who we are. I have been crucified with Christ. Yet I live, but not me. I live through the, my faith. I, no, actually, it says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. We live by his faith. His faith in us, his faith in his Father, his faith in Love is what allows us and equips us and empowers us to live. So it's by trusting in that love that we can experience the life of the Father. We can experience the life that is Jesus. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whosoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. That's the difference. That's the key. If you know who you are, and if you know who God is in the context of this father-son dynamic, if you can see him as your heavenly father and you can see yourself as his beloved son in whom he is well pleased, again, you know, like 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 John himself, who laid his head on Jesus' breast and heard the heartbeat of God. And from that point on, he, he addressed himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Who are you? I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. When we can get to that point of knowing the truth and the truth setting us free and making us free, when we can get to that point of, of identity and knowing 
who we are and who God is, when we can get to that point of knowing that I am so full of his love that all I have to do is fill myself to overflowing with what he has already filled me with, I don't have to try to figure out what he's going to do. I just have to do what I'm going to do naturally because the love inside of me is coming out. I can't keep it in. I couldn't keep it in if I wanted to because he filled me with it. And now I have filled myself to overflowing with it by knowing and believing that he filled me with it. And when that love that's inside of us begins to come out of us, that's how we experience the life of the Father. The Father created everything out of himself, through himself, for himself, because of himself. And he is love. Love created everything through and in and for and because of love. And I really like the part, uh, I don't remember where I heard this, but one preacher one time was talking about how, uh, you know, like I said earlier, like you, you really have to have two, two parties in order for there to be love. Someone to love and someone to be loved. And even in the very beginning, God already had that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There was already that dynamic, that relationship. There was someone to love and someone to be loved. But for God, that wasn't enough. He wanted to express himself more. He wanted to express himself bigger. So he created an entire universe. He created an entire planet. He created an entire world. And then he created us. And he put us on that planet, in that world, in that universe. And he said, that's my favorite. Those humans that I made, that's what I'm going to shower my love upon. That's, what I, that's where I'm really going to focus my attention. And that's why I always say the two most important things in the universe are God and people. Loving God and loving people. Loving God by loving people. It's easy to say, I love God, but it's not until you start actually putting your money where your mouth is and loving God's creation, loving the extension of God, loving the people that God lives in, that you really can love him. You know how it talks about like no one has seen God, but you've seen your brother. So love your brother. And then you can say you love God, you know, as a kind of huge paraphrase. But the point is, is that how we treat people is how we treat God in a very real sense, because God lives in people. Whatever you do unto the least of them, you do unto the king, Jesus said. So when we're talking about the life of the father, when we're talking about the life that is Jesus Christ, who is our life, we're, we're talking about something more. We're talking about something better. We're talking about a more excellent way and an abundant life. And to me, that that's hopeful. That gives me hope that things aren't bad and getting worse, that things can be good and better and better and better. And, and, and the more that we work together, the more that we love each other, the more that we let what's inside come out, the better and better and better things will be. So we've kind of hit my time mark for where I want to be in these bad Oscars. You guys know I don't want to go too long. So uh, as always, shout out to all the listeners and all the supporters of, of Jesus Rant. Um, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for everything, for listening, for, for sharing, for telling people, for helping me get this word out. Word Without Walls ministry is all about just making the gospel of God, the, the good news about love, available w without any 
without any walls, without any restrictions. I just want to make it as easy as possible, as simple as possible, as accessible as possible. And, and you guys really helped me do that. So as always, thank you. I appreciate you. And, uh, and we'll see you next week. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it, to, uh, to help me to get the word out, which, you know, as we know by now is, is my heart is just getting this word out word without walls ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.